Welcome to this episode of Kendall County Connections podcast. I'm your host, Aubrey Walker. I work with the San Antonio Council on Alcohol and Drug Awareness, or CICADA. I'm the coalition coordinator for Kendall County. The purpose of this podcast is to educate, promote awareness of resources for Kendall County, and to connect people. I have lived in Kendall County most of my life, and I have a passion for this county. I hope you find this podcast helpful, and thank you for listening. Well, I'm Betsy Jones, um, and as Vicki told you, I'm a coalition coordinator here at Cicada um, for at least the rest of the day, and uh, as she said, I am not going far, so I, I still intend to be back here um, doing some stuff, uh, doing presentations, probably volunteering with the coalition, and if I can change my slides, yes, okay, I'm going to skip past the Cicada things. Uh, today, um, basically, we had we had conceived this meeting and this presentation as a way to bring our marijuana work group up to speed on the facts and things they need to know about marijuana, both the, the plant and the policy. Because once the marijuana work group is on board and sort of at the same level, then they can start to work on the policy issues. Um, so I'm going to talk about, uh, I always have to start talking about the, the words we actually use. Um, THC, which is the actual drug, and then um, potency is more THC, health effects, actually also THC, and then the regulatory issues and social concerns we have, which is basically where all the states are going right now in all different directions and where Texas has been going in, as far as legalizing it. Um, first off, there's, there's this idea out there that marijuana is just a plant, so it must be safe, it should be legal. Uh, that's not taking into account the fact that most of the drugs that we have are derived from plants. Um, tobacco is a plant, opium is a plant, um, and there's lots of things that aren't plants and aren't natural that we don't even have a problem with, like Twinkies, um, things like that, contact lenses. Um, when we talk about marijuana, um, people, people of a certain age and basically the legislators, the people who make the laws, are imagining it's the same marijuana from back in the 70s. The, you know, is what we would call now as ditch weed. Um, had very low THC, um, it didn't, didn't really have much effect. And, and they remember it effect, but it's nowhere near the effect that we have today. So there's millions, you know, not millions, but there's a lot of different chemicals in marijuana. Um, at least 125 cannabinoids, which are the actual psychoactive part of the, the plant. Um, and it's been genetically modified over the last 30 to 40 years just to make it stronger. Uh, it's completely uh, unregulated um, in illegal states because you can't regulate something that's illegal. Um, so, you know, the pesticides, the fungicides, the THC content, various, you know, heavy metals and other things that are that are in the plant are just you know, there, there's an industry that regulates things that we eat, but there's no industry regulating marijuana yet. Um, but the way the industry is growing right now, it's not actually about the plant anymore. It's about the THC and the drug and the concentrates that come out of the plant. So um, I already said cannabinoids are the chemical compounds that attach to cannabinoid receptors. And there's lots of those in marijuana, but they also appear in some other, some other substances. Um, THC is the compound we talk about the most. 
It's the primary compound that gets you high, basically. Um, that's short for delta-9 tetrahydrocannabidiol. That's a, I think I have a typo in that, but <laughs> sorry. Um, but uh, delta-9 THC is what we've always had as far as THC. Now, you may, you may have noticed we have delta-8 and delta-10. I am going to talk about those a little bit later on, but they're still THC. Uh, CBD is the therapeutic compound in, in marijuana. And generally those two things run um, opposite in, in opposite amounts. So like the, uh, the higher the THC content is, the lower the CBD content will be and vice versa. So, and you know, in, in states where they have medicinal marijuana, a lot of times medicinal marijuana has a THC content of about 10 to 12%, which is very high. Um, but that means that it's not going to have very much CBD at all. And yet we're, you know, it's being marketed as therapeutic medicine. Um, when I say medicinal or medical, that's, you know, that's re referring to therapeutic use to alleviate symptoms. It's not really a medicine. Um, there's, you know, it can't be a medicine because it can't be regulated yet. Uh, there is a medicine that is created using CBD as a, as the active compound. Um, but as of yet, there's no, there's no other medicines created from marijuana. Um, and then what, um, what the industry would call recreational is, uh, is the for-profit cannabis industry. I tend to use, you know, retail or commercial because that's really what we're looking at. It's a, it's a retail industry. It's a commercialized industry where they're, they're making profits off of selling the drug. Um, they also sometimes call it adult use, which means, you know, it's, it's available for adults to use. Legalization and decriminalization are two words that get confused quite a bit. And that's, that's partly intentional on the part of the industry because they wanted to make it, they, they want it legal. They want it, they want to be able to make profits from it. Um, decriminalization is simply the removal of the criminal punishment for using it. Uh, and I've got some slides on those later on, so we'll get to that. Um, real quick, I think we're, now that hemp is legal, a lot more people have a handle on this part, but hemp and marijuana are two, they're, they're two species of the same plant. So cannabis is the plant, hemp is one version and marijuana is the other version. Hemp has almost no THC, and that's really the, the definition. Hemp is less than 0.3% THC. Marijuana is more than 0.3% THC. That's really the only difference. Um, hemp is legal in Texas. It's not psychoactive. It, you know, hemp does not get you high, but it is where most of the CBD comes from. Marijuana, um, what we're seeing in, in, in legal states these days is 18 to 20% THC. Uh, almost no CBD, and it is still illegal in the United States and in Texas, with a couple of therapeutic exceptions. Trying to switch. There we go. So, THC, as I said, is the psychoactive compound, and this picture is what THC looks like now. Um, you notice that is not a plant. It doesn't look natural. It's not natural. It's derived from a plant, but it's derived using chemicals and solvents and a lot of heat. So um, 
THC does have a couple of benefits that have been shown. It, it's good for nausea. It's good for boosting appetite in older patients, people who need who need to eat more. Um, has a lot of harms though, and the anxiety, psychosis, the you know, memory addiction, those things are all increasing just by by leaps and bounds. Those things are increasing because the THC in the plant is is increasing. Just for reference. In Europe, any product that contains more than 16% THC is considered a hard drug. Um, and the average THC percentage we have here in legal states is 18%. So we're already talking about things that would be banned in Europe. Um, there's a lot of arguments that, you know, there's places in Europe, there's a lot of places where it's decriminalized, but there's places where it's been legalized as well. Um, they would not legalize anything over 16%. And what we see is that 18 is the average. Uh, it actually, you know, we can we can see samples of flour, which is the you know actually buying the marijuana buds. The flour can be as high as 30 or 35 percent. So the concentrates. Um, concentrates are the most popular and and fastest growing segment of this market right now. Um, the things you can do with concentrates are basically you can add it to anything. You can put it in food. You can put it in a vape pen. You can uh, dab it, which is um, is popular. And I've noticed that not everyone who dabs realizes exactly what it what it means. But it's essentially freebasing. Um, they get a little dab of the of the THC concentrate on the end of a usually a metal uh, needle or a pin, and they um, they heat it up really hot and then they just inhale the vapors. That's freebasing. Um, and I've, you know, I've told that to people who do it and they had no idea. Um, it was interesting to see the light come into their eyes. Concentrates are up to 99% THC. And so that means that one dab pen can hold up to 200 hits of THC. Um, the felony charges when you get to concentrates are pretty astonishing because the, you know, if you're talking about a lot of power in a very little amount of, of substance. And in order to have, you know, a, a vape pen with detectable THC in it, just that little amount is going to be a felony. So that's what we're seeing a lot right now is kids who have vapes in school have, you know, THC vapes. Um, they're getting felony charges and they're getting expelled from school for something that they didn't even realize was a big deal. Um, it's just a tiny little dab of marijuana concentrate. And it's got lots of nicknames. I can't even keep up with all the nicknames, but um, the most popular ones are hash, hash oil, vapes, um, or dabs, wax, you know, shatter. Keef is actually the little powdery substance that, um, that sort of, you know, if you see the marijuana, pictures of marijuana that look sort of fuzzy, that's the keef that shakes off them. All right, so. Very popular thing to do with your dabs is put it in edibles. Now these started popping up right after legalization. Uh, you know, we've always had pot brownies, but right after Colorado and Washington legalized in 2012, we started seeing the, the edible products pop up. And it, at that point it had never occurred to anybody that we should regulate those because honestly, nobody thought that it would happen. They, when they legalized, they thought we're gonna, we're going to make it okay for 
people to get some marijuana and and use it for headaches or whatever. They did it didn't even occur to them that there were going to be these these products that look identical to you know to commercial products already available um, that are so enticing for kids and and you can you know they could contain any amount of THC. Those gummies in the picture might have five milligrams of THC. They might have a hundred milligrams of THC. And really it's tough to even know uh, how much is in there. The effects when eating edibles, when eating THC are different from smoking it. So when it, when someone ingests the THC, it actually takes a little bit longer to get into their system, which means they don't feel it right away. And they tend to think it's not working, which means they go and eat another one. And by the time the effects start to hit them, they are going to get really high. Um, so we're seeing we're seeing examples of overconsumption, even overdose. Um, that's where a lot of the psychosis happens because it's just you know they they weren't expecting how high they were going to get. It's also more intense when you eat it, and there's none of the none of the THC gets wasted in smoke. So um, people who are new to edibles definitely, you know, need to be more careful, need to make sure that they're going slow. Um, and finally, uh, edibles are the area where the regulatory agencies are just, just over their heads. I mean, they're scrambling to keep up with the different products that pop up. Um, so you can see that nerds rope in the picture. Um, <laughs> This is an example of a, you know, a kind of a scary product because it looks just like a regular nerd's rope. The difference is it's got a couple of labels on there. It says medicated, right? Um, but um, the 420 milligrams of THC, uh, I don't know if you know how big a nerd's rope is. It's what, eight, eight or nine inches long. Um, 420 milligrams is 42 doses of THC. A dose is about... 10 milligrams or a serving of THC is 10 milligrams. So imagine getting that nerd's rope or any candy bar and, and cutting it into 42 pieces. And that's the size you're supposed to eat. Um, when a whole bunch of these nerd's ropes got into a food bank supply in, uh, in Arizona a few years ago. It was an accident. I, we think nobody ever admitted to being the one who did it, but a food bank got a bunch of these, didn't notice they were medicated nerds ropes. So they put them in the, in the Thanksgiving bags and sent them home with families. And the families opened up the bags and thought, hey, cool, we got some candy for the kids. They gave it to the kids. The kids ate the whole thing. And there were at least five or six children who were hospitalized that during that incident because that is a that's a lot of THC for an adult and for kids it's it's just way too much. Delta eight THC um, it sort of it sort of hit my radar in 2021 early in 2021. This happened after we legalized hemp and CBD products. Um, the way the law was written is that uh, hemp products and hemp derived products, meaning CBD, would be legal. Um, and they can be legally sold and, you know, make different products from them. So the first thing the industry did was figure out a way to use hemp to derive a different compound that could actually get you high. And that's what Delta-8 THC is. Basically, they take CBD or, you know, part of the plant that has CBD in it, and they essentially burn it until the compound breaks into a different chemical. Um, 
and then and that's that's delta eight. So again, not natural, um, but it's so it's technically produced from hemp, which means the industry feels like it's technically legal, and that's that's what they've decided. The the industry basically gets what they want, but. Uh, the public health sector just said, no, you know, THC is illegal. So Delta-8 THC is illegal. Uh, basically, it's in a gray area. Um, nothing was decided in the legislative session. And uh, so, you know, it's that gray area where you can get, get into a lot of trouble. Uh, it is intoxicating. You can get high from it. And you can sell it in a grocery store or in a gas station. So these pictures are taken in a gas station on Bandera Road in San Antonio. Um, there's some gummies at the top, there's uh, some vape pens, and then the, the products below there are the, um, those are products made with Delta-8 THC. These were, they were posted at the, at the counter, sort of at eye level behind that glass wall at the gas station counter. Uh, but they were also in a, in a display case at about knee level, which means they're eye level for kids. Um, and kids aren't going to notice immediately if they, if they ever notice that those are Trips Ahoy cookies, not Chips Ahoy cookies or Doritos. And so, um, so it's, it's pretty dangerous to keep these in the house and just, they're just out on display where, you know, people can see them in the gas stations. It's basically normalizing these products that, um, eventually, you know, can, can lead into addictive behavior. So the way THC works in the brain, um, I'm not gonna go into the whole uh, neuroscience description of this, but there's a, there's a natural brain chemical called anandamide. And anandamide, when it's released in your brain, it, uh, it bonds with the cannabinoid receptors. And it basically just gives a sense of mild calm, not high, just calm. And if you look at the THC molecule right next to anandamide, they're almost identical. Well, when THC hits those, hits those cannabinoid receptors and you're flooding the brain with THC, that's when you get more than just a mild calm feeling, you get high. Um, the cannabinoid receptors live in your brain in the, in the cerebellum, which controls balance and muscle coordination, the hippocampus, memories and learning, and then the cerebral cortex, where that controls your decision-making abilities. Um, those cannabinoid receptors, you know, that's, if you think about it, those are the areas that are most affected when you're using marijuana. But also, if this is the reason why most people, most, most people never die from a marijuana overdose, because there aren't very many cannabinoid receptors in the brainstem. Um, opioid receptors live in the brainstem, and that's, you know, that's, Opioid overdoses result in people not breathing, but with cannabinoids, it's different parts of the brain that are affected. Um, I'm going to go over these. I think we are mostly familiar with them at this point, but short-term effects and long-term effects on the brain include memory problems, reading problems, um, logic problems, distorted perception, confusion. Um, those then as they shift into long-term, you've got impaired learning, impaired memory, um, bad concentration, low motivation, um, and then the, the famous eight points IQ loss, um, which was actually a study done in people 
over time. It was a longitudinal study. So they studied the same people when they were 18 and later in their 30s. And they found that that eight point IQ loss in the same, was in the same people, not like they studied a whole group and then the 36 year olds weren't as smart as the 18 year olds. It was individuals who actually had the, that specific IQ loss. Okay, so the higher the THC, uh, the, the worse the effects can get, which is why in the 70s, there weren't too many people having these, you know, these symptoms and these negative effects from marijuana. Then the 70s, the THC percentage was like one to 3%. And now, as I said, it's like 18 to 30%. Um, we're seeing a lot of issues with negative effects. There's, you know, traditional smoking problems like coughs and colds and heart rate, your heart rate goes up. Um, the COVID-19 symptoms are more severe. Anxiety and panic attacks uh, are some of the psychoactive, you know, are the psychotic issues, uh, depression and suicide, psychosis, paranoia, um, and even overdose and addiction. And those things, you know, were questioned in the past. People thought they weren't possible. They're absolutely possible. It's just that with the overdoses, they very rarely result in death. Um, and the thing about addiction is that, you know, if you know someone who's addicted to marijuana, um, they're still mostly functional usually. And they, you know, they might not be living their best life, but they're still living their life. So a lot of people feel like that's not, that's not addiction. It's not addiction unless you're completely falling apart. And that's not true. Um, so I've noticed as it is legalized in more states, a lot more people are acknowledging that it's addictive because a lot more people know somebody who's addicted. And I think my next slide is gonna cover cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome. Oh, no, picture, there we go. Okay, this is a messy slide. So cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome is, is coming up now and I'm seeing it more and more. Um, it is just, it is, it comes from prolonged use of high potency marijuana. Um, so it really, it involves a lot of THC. And what it is, is basically can't stop throwing up. Um, it's immediate, it is painful. Um, the, the only treatment is to stop using marijuana. Uh, they have some acute treatments, like you can take Zofran for the nausea and, um, and you know some painkillers for the for the stomach pain, but the only I, I follow this group on Facebook for people suffering with this, and their only treatment really is hot showers. And some of the some of the pictures that I've seen are people who have taken hot showers. They'll stand under the shower for as long as they have hot water for days, <laughs> if, it, if it would last that long. Um, and um, and I've actually seen pictures of people with burns on their skin from the hot water because the burns hurt less than the abdominal pain. Um, so I've got here, there's the headline that um, weed users are 25% more likely to need emergency care. But then these other two little comments are just, are just clips from the social media that I follow. Um, my life has been a torturous, never ending hell for the last 23 days. And it's, it is really, really scary. And people have died from it. Um, including teenagers. And there's one mother in Indiana whose son died from cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome. He basically died of, of dehydration because when you can't stop throwing up, you're gonna be dehydrated. Other people can't stop throwing up and they 
they are they die of malnutrition because they can't eat anything and keep food down. And also that stress on your on your heart will eventually cause heart problems. So people have had heart attacks while they're in the middle of a hyperemesis episode. And this this lasts basically forever. Um, there are a few people who've said that they were able to smoke again later, but most of them don't even want to find out. Uh, if they can get those episodes to stop, they just they, they can't go back to it. Cannabis use disorder, also known as addiction, um, is rising in the population. It rises at about the same rate as past month use. So what we're seeing is, you know, more people using equals more people with addiction. Um, more than 30% of marijuana users develop marijuana use disorder. Um, using before you're 18 years old is associated with a seven times higher likelihood. Uh, that's because the brain isn't finished developing. And when you start priming the brain for addiction, as the brain is still growing, um, you're, you're, setting up, you're setting up the brain to look for addictive substances indefinitely. So that's the reasoning why we, we you know, we postpone use of alcohol to 21. That's the reason we raised the tobacco age. One of the reasons we raised the tobacco age to 21. And they have set the, you know, the marijuana age limit at 21 also in states where it's legal. Um, but it's for medicinal marijuana, it's 18. And um, there's an awful lot of people in medicinal states who get a hold of marijuana, uh, you know, the, who, who aren't actually using it for a medical condition. But um, the brain, we're learning more every year, and it seems like the age when the brain stops growing gets farther and farther along. So what we're looking at now is somewhere in the late 20s. So ideally, people wouldn't use those substances until after they're you know, 26 or so. Incidents of psychosis have gone up, um, in, especially in states where there's easy access to adult use or commercial marijuana. Um, emergency rooms are just flooded, and especially the places that are sort of touristy, like in the entire state of Colorado, when it first legalized, it was the only state where you could get it. Um, the emergency rooms were just, just underwater. Uh, law enforcement calls for people with psychosis are, are also skyrocketing. It has to do with higher THC percentage. Um, the incidence of psychosis is more than doubled uh, from 2006 to 2016, which was, you know, during the period then when it was being legalized. And they're linking it in European studies, which are really kind of the only studies we have. Um, they're linking it to um, daily cannabis use. They said one in five diagnosed cases of psychosis could be linked to daily cannabis use. That's a lot of psychosis that we wouldn't have if if cannabis wasn't becoming a daily habit for so many people. But it doesn't kill people very often. Um, as I said, the overdoses are, are almost never fatal in adults, in kids sometimes. Um, but the, it does cause damage to your lungs, especially if you're smoking it, it causes heart damage. Um, if you're using marijuana, uh, the, the hour after you've used marijuana, you're at a four times higher risk of having a heart attack. Um, there are people dying as a result of the psychosis, the paranoia, delusions, uh, suicide, and there's a number of 
uh, anti-cannabis activists now who've lost their kids to uh, to suicide uh, from cannabis use, and it's um, it's it's starting to get more attention. There's also impaired driving issues, and then just the other other stuff. You know, people falling down, getting hurt on the job, hash oil explosions, and there are also some documented homicides after people are have been using high THC cannabis. As far as reproductivity, um, we've always known. I remember the jokes when I was young, even that that it you know it it reduces men's fertility. Um, now we know it also reduces women's fertility. They have fewer eggs. It's harder to fertilize them um, during pregnancy. THC does pass through the placenta, which means the fetus is getting access to THC um, when the when the mother uses THC and. Uh, anytime you're smoking anything during pregnancy, that means the fetus is going to is going to have less oxygen and you know less access to nutrients. After birth, the um, the the THC exists in the breast milk. Um, it also can cause issues with weight gain, um, tremors in the children. They're linking it to sudden infant infant death syndrome. Um, children whose mothers use THC during pregnancy are, have higher rates of cancer, tumors, ADHD, you know, all kinds of issues. Um, young adults whose parents use THC during pregnancy have more depression, more psychosis, more tendency toward addiction. Um, and the study that they did in rats shows that um, rats offspring, if, if they give the rats some THC, their offspring, even four generations later, are more, or are, are, are they seek out the drugs with more regularity. So the, the rats, even, you know, the intervening generations didn't get any THC, but still four generations later, those rats are more likely to look for the drug. So therapeutic updates. This is where I stopped telling scary stories. But um, honestly, some of it's still a little scary. CBD is the other side, the other cannabinoid, um, mainly found in hemp, and it does have therapeutic properties. In fact, most of the therapeutic properties associated with marijuana are actually in the CBD. So um, reducing spasticity in multiple sclerosis patients, uh, there's a little bit of evidence that it helps with sleep and anxiety and, and other neurological symptoms. Uh, what I'm hearing now about that, though, is that, you know, a lot of people say that they are using cannabis for their anxiety, but what they really are experiencing or what we think they might be experiencing is that is withdrawal because anxiety is one of the symptoms of marijuana withdrawal. So as people withdraw from cannabis, they get anxiety and then they, they feel like they have to use the cannabis in order to deal with their anxiety. Um, CBD might counteract the effects of THC. So in the natural plants, when they're a little more balanced, uh, that, you know, that makes it less, you know, less dangerous drug, honestly. If there's more CBD in the plant, then the effects of the THC might not be so damaging. CBD cannot get you high, it cannot get you intoxicated, and it has been used as the basis for one medication. Uh, Epidiolex is used for epilepsy, and uh, it is FDA approved and completely legal medication to be prescribed by your doctor and picked up at a pharmacy.
So CBD, we, uh, we're still learning lessons from it uh, now that it's legal. It doesn't, I mean, CBD will not cause you to test positive, but there's no regulation on the product. So your CBD might actually have THC in it and THC will make you test positive. So it, it's really dangerous. And I tell anybody who has a job where they might get drug tested um, that none of it is safe because you can't really know. I mean, you can, you're free to go try and, you know, try and find a, a product that is safe for you to use, but there's no, there's no federal regulation of it. So you're relying on state governments to regulate those products and states don't have any experience in regulating that because that's a federal thing. So the states don't regulate it and that means you can't really trust it. Um, your CBD oil might not actually have any CBD in it. In Texas, a couple of years ago, they did a study of CBD oils, all the products they could find, and they found that 70% of them didn't have any CBD in them at all. Um, some of them had THC, some of them were just olive oil. Uh, the other thing, one of the more concerning things to me is that these products can be, they, they can be made in somebody's kitchen or somebody's garage. They could be using their kitchen utensils to cook it up. They, you know, maybe there's nuts in it, maybe there's gluten in it, any kind of allergens. Um, so the products, you know, CBD products technically should be safe, but there's nobody making sure that they're safe. And, and in this country, the, the legal structure that we have is that, you know, you can, you can sell something unless you're, unless you can't, <laughs> you can sell it unless it's illegal. And, and, you know, if there's nobody checking to make sure that those products are safe, then, then they're on the market. Thank you for tuning in to this month's episode of Kendall County Connections podcast. If you are interested in joining the coalition or being on an episode of the podcast, you can call 210-225-4741. That's 210-225-4741. Or email coalition at cicada.org. That's C-O-A-L-I-T-I-O-N at S-A-C-A-D-A dot O-R-G. Or check us out on Facebook, search for Kendall County Community Coalition or facebook.com slash Kendall County Community Coalition. Thank you. We'll see you next time and stay safe.